0: Thanks for checking out the Refuge Official Podcast. Wherever you're from, we hope that this message will encourage you and help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, here's our lead pastor, Matthew Malik. Are you ready for the word? Because I think it's being it's Father's Day and Happy Father's Day, uh, I have some dad jokes. So we're going to record this. Will be actually on the podcast. So, Uh, Normally, we don't include that, and sometimes people are disappointed. I was looking for the the jokes, and they weren't there. Well, we try to condense things a little bit. Anyway, um, oh, I forgot to mention yesterday celebrated uh, Pastor Deb's 35th spiritual birthday when she gave her heart to Jesus Christ. Yeah, so that was awesome. And I, that had to happen because I would not have married an unbeliever. So I'm glad she got saved. I'm so glad she got saved. So dad jokes. And, and I tried to find a list of the best dad jokes. And what is a dad joke, you might ask? A dad joke is when dad tells a joke and thinks it's funny, thinks it's funny, but it's so unfunny that it becomes funny. Does that make sense? And I don't know if you noticed my shirt. I got this for my birthday from the congregation. Dad and pastor. Yeah. So thou shalt laugh at all my jokes. Okay. So that's just, if you forget to laugh, just look at my shirt. Okay. Anyway. Ready for the first one? Did you hear about the restaurant on the moon? It has great food, but no atmosphere. Yeah. Right. Got to laugh. What do you call a fake noodle? An impasta. Okay, okay. I think they're getting worse. How about dad driving by a cemetery? He asked, do you know how many people are dead in that cemetery? All of them. Yeah, right. I know. Yeah, it gets old, doesn't it? How many of you have put up with dad jokes all your life? Okay. My, My kids. Yeah, there's a few back there. Uh, Bob, he's a good one at telling those jokes. I know he's told me a few. All right. Um, How about this? I'm reading a book about anti-gravity. It's impossible to put down. Yeah, think about that one. It, It does make sense. And how about, do you know the first, that first, I better back up, start over on that one. I messed up. Did you know that the first French fries were not made in France, they were made in Greece. Okay. Mm. You want to hear a joke about a piece of paper? Never mind, it's terrible. Um, if you see a robbery at an Apple store, does that make you an eyewitness? Okay, I know. And then one more. Oh, actually, somebody sub- somebody anonymously submitted one to the pastor. I got this sheet there in worship. I mean, they disrupted worship by giving me a joke, so I, I don't know if I should even share that, but I, I have to share this one first. Why do ch- chicken coops only have two doors? Because if they had four doors, they would be chicken sedans. Okay. Okay. I don't know who did this, if you're going to own up to this. Uh, Three sons went and asked their father which child pleases mom the most. Dad replied, the one who sasses mom the least. They all looked at their dad and the sons said, okay, dad, you win. (laughs) Okay. I don't know. All right. Well, happy Father's Day to dad's. I believe this is a day that we honor the Father God, our Heavenly Father, as well as earthly fathers. I think it's important that we celebrate dads. We have some great dads here at Refuge. You are really committed to raising your children in the way that they should go. You are all in when it comes to spending time with them, being part of their lives and speaking into their lives. And that's not always the case. And that's part of our vision is is to raise up men of God that really are true heads of their households, taking a spiritual leadership and pouring into their marriage, pouring into their children to really make a difference in this generation. I believe what we do to shape the children of today, we're we're, uh, changing the future of tomorrow. We're changing tomorrow. So it's important that we uh, do our part. And we're not going to beat up on dads this morning. uh, Typically, And I think the reason why church attendance is generally low all across the country on Father's Day because fathers don't want to come to church and get beat up and told what they're not doing. And and sadly to say, I've been in churches and I've heard messages where I walked out and said, boy, and it was before I was really a dad, I think, boy, they really kind of came down hard on the guys, you know, came down hard on the dads. And obviously we have dads that have not been maybe the best that they could be, uh, but yet this is a day to honor fathers and honors dad, whatever your situation is. Uh, We commend those men who have stepped up and stepped in to provide and protect and to take care of children, even that have not been their own as a stepdad or as an uncle or as an older brother or as uh, another godly man to really nurture young children in their growth track. And I believe that uh, dads, we need to play a, a godly role, a fatherly role in the lives of our children. And I believe there may be those here today that are grieving uh, over the loss of a father or maybe navigating through a strained relationship with their father or an absentee father dealing with that. But we believe that God's love can, can make a difference in those situations. And we acknowledge those uh, with noble desire, to be fathers, my son-in-law, he's going to be a dad. Actually, this is his first Father's Day, so Andy, uh, congratulations! Uh, and I texted him this morning and said Happy Father's Day, and he said the first of many. Yes, so um, and he's going to have many grandchildren for uh, Grandma and Grandpa. So we're excited about that, right, Schultz? Many grandchildren. All right. Good to see you, Lily, too. All right. Okay. Open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to take a moment and pray. We have started a series entitled Core Values. We opened up last week with the first core value of refuge, and we understand that core values really are principles that guide and govern an organization. In fact, it becomes uh, the core or the center or the focus of the organization and how that organization deals with the people within it and how it deals with the public around it. Core values are very important in life, very important in the church setting. And at Refuge, our core values are based on biblical principles that we've embraced and that we desire to live out before this community It's part of our vision And we have 12 core values that define the way we as a church do life together. And again, core values is what is at the center or central in how we conduct business and deal with life. And in in this series, I believe we're going to discover more about the vision and mission of Refuge. Uh, Refuge is a place, our vision statement, it's a place for people. It's a place for people to find love, acceptance, and forgiveness. Our vision statement actually is, at Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Uh, This is a place where we grow while finding authentic hope, love, and purpose through Jesus. And and that's important, I believe, in what God has given us as a mandate in this community and in the world that we live in. Uh, Our mission is that we're a place that welcomes all people, equipping them to grow in faith through God's word. And in, in that element, then they can discover their purpose, encounter Jesus, and take his love and his message to this world that we live in around us and to the community and beyond. So our first core value, last we talked about, we are people who cannot be broken. And we talked about how we move from a place of brokenness to a place of unbrokenness, a place of wholeness that's anchored and qualified in our relationship with Jesus Christ, knowing that we've been made more than conquerors, knowing that we've been made victorious because of what Jesus has done, what he's, he is doing in our lives at this very moment. And so this week, the core value we're talking about is we are a family family, who always forgives. We're a family that will always forgive. Take that down if you're writing notes. And I want to give a warning. Have you found your place in Ephesians yet? Ephesians 4, we're going to get that. We're going to get there. Um, This is the warning, and I'm going to give you this warning, and then we're going to pray. This could be a difficult message for some of you. In fact, It's difficult because sometimes the pain, the bitterness, the resentment caused by an offense can be devastating in a person's life, and we don't feel we have the capacity or the ability to forgive. Yet, I believe this message will be liberating in respect to the fact that once you learn the importance of forgiveness and actually forgive you will find freedom, you will find wholeness, you will find healing in your life from the pain, from the hurt, and from the heartache that you've endured in your life. You can find freedom from that pain. And so that's why I give you this warning, but it's a warning with a blessing if you really take hold of what I'm going to share. Because I believe when you discover the importance of forgiveness in your life, you will find tremendous freedom and liberty to fulfill your dream and live out God's purpose. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for this opportunity to minister your word. And I pray, Lord, that you give us eyes to see, ears to hear, that you give us a heart to truly comprehend, Father, what you've defined forgiveness to be. And how we need to not only receive forgiveness, but release forgiveness as an act of our will to walk, Father, in the love of God in the way that will make a difference, not only in our life, but the lives of those around us. In Jesus' name, we pray. And, Father, I pray for every father. And I pray, Father, for those that have been offended, those that have suffered because of what has been done wrong to them that they would find healing through forgiveness today in Jesus name Amen you still have your place in Ephesians chapter 4 we're going to get the verses 31-32 we're not going to read it yet but let me just share a little bit to give you a backdrop before we share that passage holding on to offense is unforgiveness when you hold on to a wrong you were have done some form of injustice and you hold that against that person, you hold on to that and you refuse to let it go. That is unforgiveness. Who am I not to forgive? Or when you think about it, when we realize that God has forgiven us, who am I not to forgive someone when God has forgiven me? and so we 're going to learn some things today about forgiveness and the importance of forgiveness in our lives and I asked the question how good at how good are you at forgiving others? Do you forgive quickly or do you forgive slowly? Does it take you time to process it, or are you one that you instantly and readily forgive? We found growing up that that when we would deal with a dispute where we had kids kind of having some a sibling rivalry when we would get them to a point and ask each other for forgiveness. It was instant. They'd say, I forgive you. I forgive you. And then they'd go off and play and be fine. I'm thinking, wow, that's really great to see them quickly forgive so that they can go on with living life, okay? Because when you don't forgive quickly, it's going to slow down your quality of life. You will not be able to live life at the level that God wants you to. Forgiveness is an opportunity for you to grow because we always grow through forgiveness, through forgiving others. We will grow, and I'll talk about that a little bit later. So let's read the scripture. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32, it says from the King James Version, Let all bitterness... Wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking. Now, that's a bunch of stuff, okay? A lot of negative things we see there. Evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Notice verse 32. And be kind one to another. Tenderhearted. Forgiving one another. Even as God in Christ forgave you. Now, I want you to look at the two words, even as. God, we are called to forgive just like God forgives. You might say that's humanly impossible, and you're absolutely correct. But the fact is, if you've been forgiven by God, you are now in a position to forgive like God. Because once receiving forgiveness... That grace empowers you to forgive. So when you fail to forgive, you are stopping the working of God's grace in your life. You're cutting short what he wants to do in your life. And that can cause you great turmoil and trouble along your life journey. I want to read the same passage in the New Living Translation. Read it reads a little bit differently, a little bit more of a modern vernacular but let's see this in the New Living Translation. Ephesians 4:31, 32. Just put out of your life all these things: bad feelings about other people. Okay. Oh, my. How many of you have bad feelings about other people? That's, uh, that's a big one right there. Put them out of your life: um, anger, temper, loud talk. Bad talk, which hurts other people, and bad feelings, which hurt other people. Notice verse 32. You must be kind to each other. Think of the other person. Forgive other people just as God forgave you because of Christ's death on the cross. Again, we see it's saying the same thing, but saying it in a little bit different way because I like comparing verse Verses in other translations, because it helps to bring out the word, I believe, more clearly. So, what does the core value mean that we are a family that will always forgive? Well, it means, as we see in the scripture, that it's a mandate for a family at refuge to forgive. It's a mandate. It's something that it's just... That we have to do it 's a must. It means we have to not only know something about forgiveness but also receive forgiveness and forgive those that have wronged us, uh, those within the church family and those outside the church family. because you may be okay with everyone in here, but let me tell you that offenses will surely come in, in, in Luke 171 Jesus is sitting with his disciples. And he tells them, uh, beware, offenses are going to come. You're going to be offended. That's just life. Offenses will come. Somebody looks at you wrong. Somebody says something. Maybe they were careless with their words. Uh, Maybe they didn't invite you over to their house after you invited you to theirs. Uh, Offenses come for for the stupidest reasons. Maybe somebody suggested a color of carpet and uh, the The building team or the uh, carpet team decide to go with another color, and so you got offended. Or maybe uh, your color of chair wasn't selected in the building committee. I mean, those things happen within the church. Offenses happen. Or it could be offenses with people outside the church and the community that you hold a grudge towards and all that. But so why is this core value important to us at Refuge? Because we practice this life of faith at home first. Because family members will mess up from time to time. See, it's it's sometimes, you know, you get upset with another person in the church, then uh, they take their side and they take their side. And they don't look at each other. They don't try to talk to each other. You know, that is stuff that shouldn't happen. You need to deal with it. Somebody has to be mature enough to take the first step and say, would you forgive me? Obviously, I've offended you. I've done something wrong. Sometimes offenses can be perceived. You, you think somebody wronged you, and they didn't. And they're mad at you, and you don't know why. And maybe it's because of what somebody else said about what you said that you didn't say. And so you, you need to find out, okay, is there an issue here? There was one time there was an individual, who was a guest speaker. He would come to this church and for whatever reason, it didn't seem like we were kind of clicking together. And I'm thinking, I, I, for like two days, I thought, okay, I must have done something to offend him. I've done something to wrong him. Why is this kind of awkward situation impending in my life between him and I? And then I finally got the courage to ask him, say, did I do anything to offend you? Because if I did, I, I'm certainly sorry he looked at me and said, no, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. And, and, and realize if somebody offends us, that becomes our problem if we take offense to it. And so we can't take hold of offenses. And, and so we're going to get more into this. But um, realize that according to what we just read in the scripture, we are called to forgive completely and quickly as the Lord has forgiven us. The Greek word for forgiveness is the word ephemi, A-P-H-I-E-M-I. And it means to send forth, to send away. It denotes to remit or release debts. It is a cancellation of any form of debt, sin or financial debt or some other obligation. Webster's 1828 Dictionary defines forgive as to pardon, to remit, as an offense or a debt, to overlook an offense, and to treat the offender as not guilty. Forgiveness really is the act of forgiving. That's um, how it's defined in Webster's 1828 Dictionary. So Jesus commanded us to love, right? And we see that in John 13, 34. He commanded us to love and forgive as He loves and as He forgives. We saw in Ephesians 4.32 that we are called to forgive as God forgives. But Jesus said a new commandment in John 13.34, I give to you that you love one another. Notice it says, just as I've loved you, you also are to love one another. Now let me tell you, love and forgiveness work hand in hand. You cannot separate the two. In fact, the greatest expression of love is to forgive. Because if you truly love someone, it's required that you will forgive that person. And I've heard so often in 35 years of pastoral ministry, I can't forgive them. In those words, are words of defeat because you're short-circuiting the love of God in your life every time you say, I can't forgive. The real issue is not that, you, it's not that you can't forgive, it's that you won't forgive. And the reason you won't forgive is because of maybe pride, the hurt, the turmoil. You are not willing to release or let it go, so you hold it, you hang on to it. See, the love of God gives us the capacity and ability to forgive. When we are born of love, as it says in, in 1 John 5 or 1 John, that we're born of love, then that gives us the capacity to love as he loves. It's a love that's beyond your human ability, but it's the love of God working in you. Hebrews 12, 15, let's look at that in the English Standard Version. It says, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. See, would you agree that holding grudges is unhealthy? It's unhealthy emotionally and even physically, and it can make your life miserable, and those around you, it make their lives miserable as well. What's interesting about this, this verse, it says that when you um, don't allow God's grace or his ability to work his love through you to forgive, then a root of bitterness can ensnare your heart in life. And that root of bitterness will take root in you and put you in a place where you are in turmoil and living a tormented life. And, and so you don't need that. You don't need the root of bitterness springing up in your life, causing trouble and taking root in your heart. Now, you, you just can't sit in your unforgiveness or bitterness because if you do, it's going to take root in your heart and grow. See, a lot of times other people feel they need to share their unforgiveness with others. And that's where second secondhand offense comes. Oh, they wronged me. They did this Bad to me, and you like that person, they're your friend, and so then you have issue with that person, when they did nothing personally to you, but because they did it to somebody who's close to you, you take offense with them as well. And then later down, they can actually, later down the road, they can forgive that person, but you can still carry offense towards them, because of what they did to your friend. And so you even have to guard against second-hand offense. And you need to forgive people. See, that's a It should be something that we do every day. And something years ago, uh, the Lord showed me that unforgiveness is like a container of hurt that holds the pain inside. Once you forgive, the pain goes away and healing comes. And over the years, I've witnessed the power of God's forgiveness in people's lives, the power of God's healing in people's lives when they decided to forgive and release an offender. And we've been seeing some situations that we're like, this is almost impossible to forgive. But yet God makes that which is impossible possible because of his great love. Bitterness and resentment is like drinking poison and waiting for someone else to die. It really (laughs) is. Offended people offend people. Hurting people hurt people. You know, how many, I just was thinking about this this morning. You know, um, I like to watch Avengers and those kind of things, you know. And, and you know, watching the Green Earl, you know, I, I, I try to monitor that. I don't want to overdo it. But I've noticed something that with every evil villain, if you track every evil villain's life, they didn't start out evil. They started out offended. And that offense led to an evil lifestyle where they were wanting to take revenge, get even, even strike back, and live out this evil and corrupt life because they weren't able to forgive or get over that offense. And a number of years ago, there was a Spider-Man movie, and Spider-Man actually forgave the man that killed his uncle. And there was such a redemptive message in that, and healing came, and the hurt was gone the pain was gone. And, and so many times, people that are hurting others, it's because they've been hurt themselves. And what they need is to receive God's forgiveness and they need to release forgiveness when they've received God's forgiveness. Um, forgiveness comes from wholeness, I believe. And forgiveness creates wholeness in a person. I want to take a little time to share a personal story, Uh, and it's been years since I talked about this guy, but really, this is where I learned the importance of forgiveness in my own life. At the time, I wasn't married. I was a young man, I think about 19 years of age. I was living in the state of Idaho, Mountain Home, Idaho. Anybody ever been there, driven through there? It's uh, south of Boise, about 50 miles southeast of Boise, and when I was living, I was working at a mobile home factory, and uh, uh, the, my foreman that was working over me saw uh, some leadership qualities in me, so he um, promoted me to be a, per, a, a lead person over the final finish department. So I had eight people directly working under me that I supervised in that department. And so that foreman, uh, he moved on to another job, and then Johnny replaced him. And at that time, I was very zealous with my faith. I would witness and I let people know where I stood and I would share Jesus with them. And so I I seized an opportunity to share about the love of Jesus with my new foreman. And he just simply did not want to hear it. And it's like almost there was a flip of a switch. And in his mind, he said, I'm going to make life hell for Matt. And, you know, and I didn't know that I'm just, you know, being who I am. And, and maybe I, I didn't have all the right words. And, you know, when you share your face sometimes you might mess up. But, you know, your heart is to share Jesus and share his love. And so this man began to persecute me, make fun of me, ridicule me, curse me out. And put such high expectations on me that at times I couldn't even live up to. And there was a moment. That I went home and I realized I hate this man. I literally hate Johnny. I mean, he mocked me, he belittled me in front of my, the people I was supervising. He would say, you know, just make jokes about me, make fun of me, and I don't want to go into all those details. I want to keep a long story short. But I can remember being on my face before God and I asked the Lord, Lord, I know it's wrong to have hate in my heart, but I admit. And acknowledge that I absolutely hate this man. I wanted to call down fire from heaven. I so said, God, burn him up. You know, just, you know, take him out. You know, God, You know, whatever, God. And I would have had a big smile on my face, you know. Yes, thank you, Lord, for getting this guy for me. But in my time of prayer, I realized I couldn't ask God to call down fire from heaven. There's only one thing that I could do. And that was to ask Jesus to help me to love him as he loved him. He says, Jesus, I need your love because my human love, it's just not there. I don't have the capacity, but I know you can help me love him like you love him because you live inside of me. And I can remember in a moment as I was praying, I literally felt the presence of God and I felt that hatred leave. And it was replaced with a sincere love. And I began to see him as a sinner needing salvation. Somebody that was hurting in his own life that needed to encounter the love of God. So I can remember the next day, there's Johnny and, and I would go out and I was, in, you know, I was also involved with quality control. I had to make sure the homes were uh, checked out, ready to ship out. And so I can remember him standing in a home uh, when I, that was already out of the factory and I had to do a few finishing items that I was supposed to do the night before. But I, time ran short, so I thought, I'll get there a little early. I'll get out there. And guess who's waiting for me? He said, why isn't this finished? And I tried to make uh, my excuse and show my reason. And then he began to curse me out. And I'm thinking, oh, God, you just gave me this love for him, and now I'm being tested. This is not good. And, and so then I, I mustered up the courage, and I just said, Johnny, I have to tell you that I'm praying for you, and I love you, and I believe God is going to promote you. And he said, What? You're praying for me. You don't need to pray for me. I don't need your prayers. And then he said, love me. Are you perverted? What are you talking about? <clears throat> I mean, he tore into me. And so, but every time he would attack me, that's the three things I would say. Johnny, I'm praying for you. I love you. And I believe God is going to promote you. See, I See, in, in the national, I kind of wanted to promote him out of the Factory, you know, another <laughs> job, yeah. <you know? laughs> but and then one day and the production manager, okay, we were trying to get our numbers out, and so what we were doing, we would move the line and uh, we had to do some finish work in the yard. The production manager clamped down, said I don't want any mobile homes, and these were like double wides. To leave this factory unless it's absolutely finished and the quality control checks are finished. Because then it's in the yard, it's done. Because we were having to get crews out there with compressors, air hoses, and all that out there in the yard. And so, Johnny comes up to me. He's my supervisor, he's my foreman, and he says, Matt, move the line. That was, think, okay, move this unit outside the building. I said, it's not finished. We need at least 30 minutes. Before we can get this thing signed off and move it, he said, I don't care. I said, Remember the conversation with the production manager in the meeting that we need to have these finished? He said, I don't care what he said, you move the line. And so, reluctantly obeying my supervisor, I moved the line. When the production manager from his place up there, because you could oversee the whole factory, he saw what was happening. He comes down, he said, Was this house signed off? Was this finished? And he's talking to Johnny, and Johnny says, No. He says, why did Matt move the line? He said, I don't know. So he calls me into the meeting, and he says, Matt, why did you move this line? And he said, I did exactly what Johnny had instructed me to do. I know what you said, but I was obeying my supervisor. He told me to do it, and that's my authority. And Johnny looked at me and said, I told him no such thing. He is lying. Wow. So, I mean, I'm sitting there just dying inside saying, he's lying To my face, he's lying to the production manager. It's making me look bad. And so I'm praying for you, Johnny. I love you, and God's going to promote you. Over the course of time, actually, he fired me once. (laughs) And at the end of the day, it was a Friday, so I go up to the production office to get my severance pay. And I said, Johnny, I didn't, I only, it was payday. I only got one check. I didn't see my severance pay until you fired me today. And God's going to take care of me. He has another job for me. And he didn't even look up. He said, get out of here. I said, Johnny, am I I fired? I said, get out of here. I'll see you Monday. You mean I'm not fired? Okay, I'll see you Monday. (laughs) So guess what happened to Johnny? He was promoted to production manager. When that happened, the whole table's turned. Johnny realized that I was praying for him and that I told him I loved him, but that God was going to promote him. And he now experienced the answer to my prayer. And so at that moment, his whole countenance changed towards me. In fact, he would come down and say, Matt, I mean, he never apologized. Said, "How's the department going? Do you need any more tools? Is everything going good? Do you have enough staff here. Are things working out. I, I even went on trips with him to do some service field work, and in that opportunity, I was able to share the gospel with him and plant seed. He never committed his life to Christ in that moment. I was in his home, sat down with his family, ate a meal, but that situation, because he saw my godly character in the midst of being persecuted, so you cannot defeat the love of God." You cannot defeat the power of forgiveness. And there's so much more. I could say we are absolutely out of time. But I do want to share a couple more things. Forgiveness can be a hard thing. That's why we need God's help. As I said, the greatest expression of love is the ability to forgive an offense. Even when the offended has not asked for your forgiveness. Psalms 119 verse um, 165 119 165 in the passion translation I don't know if we have that up there oh, yeah there it is there is such a great peace and well-being that comes to the lovers of your word and they will never be offended if you truly love the word of God if you truly because Jesus is the living word you will be protected from offense your love for the word determines your level of how much or how often you will be offended in life. It's interesting, even the Lord's Prayer. We, we need to choose each day to walk in the love of God. Matthew six twelve and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. We forgive, why? Because God forgave us. We forgive because resentment is self-torture and you don't want to be tortured by unforgiveness and resentment. We need forgiveness every day and most likely we need to forgive every day. I posture myself because I like to pray the Lord's Prayer as a pattern for my life. And when I get to the part, Lord, forgive me my trespasses, forgive me my sins, even as I forgive others who've offended me. And I step into the day, Lord, I am ready to forgive any offense that comes my way. I'm not going to hold on to it. I'm going to release that person. I'm not going to take it home with me. I'm not going to let it destroy my life. I purpose that I'm going to forgive whenever offense comes. That's good for marriage too because couples oftentimes live offended with each other, and it's not good. See, it's a commandment. We forgive because it's a commandment. And we also forgive because the capacity to forgive has been given to us because Jesus lives in us. We're born of his love. We have his nature. And, and I, I want to challenge you to be unoffendable uh, because you don't have to let offense define who you are. You don't want to be known as, as somebody easily offended or, or they just live in offense with others. Uh, see, a family that always forgives, what does that mean for us as a church? It means that we need to see beyond the offense. It means that we need to refuse to take offense. It's so easy to be offended. It means that we need to guard our heart from bitterness. We need to guard our hearts from resentment, from strife. It's also, it's understanding that forgiveness is an act of strength. It's not an act of weakness. It means that we will not only receive forgiveness, but we will release forgiveness to others. And something that I also need to, to share uh, with you. Uh, because often we want to seek our own revenge. But Jesus instructed us to pray for those who despitefully use us. And when we love, then God will heap coals of fire on them. But that love brings conviction that brings transformation in their lives. And, and we know that uh, offenses in life, you know, we have law enforcement that deal with Offenders. And 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 often you know there's they, they can find pardon they can find forgiveness but they have a debt to pay to society, they have a debt to pay in a in our culture, and, and so but and I also need to address this because sometimes people think well if I forgive that means I need to trust. If I've entrusted you with something of my if I let you here's my wallet would you hold this for me, um, and I I come back and money is missing. I could forgive you for taking my money. Hopefully, you'd give it back. But at the same time, I'm not going to trust you again to hold my wallet. See, trust can be broken, but we prove ourselves worthy of someone's trust. So just because you forgive someone, that doesn't mean you have to trust them right away. Trust has to be rebuilt, reestablished, reaffirmed in that person's life. Because in situations, sometimes you need to be distanced from someone who's wronged you for your own self-protection. So there's a balance in all this. I'm not just saying, just forgive and say, everything's good. It may not be good because that person may not have received forgiveness and there's still may, may be a threat to you in your life. And so there, there's so much more. And I, I, we've just kind of scratched the surface here. Um, so... A family that always forgives, again, that means a lot to this church. Matthew six fifteen states, but if you do not forgive others, their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you your trespasses. That's actually the end of, um, actually, we understand that principle. That's a very serious principle. That's uh, the end of the Lord's Prayer, after the Lord's Prayer. We see Jesus making that statement about forgiveness. Uh, recommended reading. I want to uh, address uh, for you uh, a book or we'll recommend a book called "The Bait of Satan" by John bevere that will help you it 's a great book that deals with overcoming offense and walking in the love of God um, there 's other things we could share matthew eighteen um, and but you you can look at that on your own. Jesus gives us a picture of forgiveness in the parable response to Peter when Peter said, how many times should we forgive? And Peter said, seven times a day. If if um, you know Dave offends me seven times a day, I'll forgive him seven times. And Jesus kind of toppled his his uh, issue there when he said, no, 70 times seven. In other words, you keep doing it. There's, there's not a limit. and You're not to keep it into account. You don't Keep account of of as many times people offend you because when you forgive, then you choose to let it be forgotten and not affect how you see them in the future, but to start fresh, to start new, give them another chance when trust has been rebuilt. Okay. All right. So I want to uh, close with a scripture before the worship team comes up here. Actually, the worship team can come up now. Um, In Matthew 18, verses 34 and 35, this was the parable Jesus gave about a servant that he forgave this huge debt. Uh, The servant went to a fellow servant that just had a small debt uh, and he was forcing him to pay, would not forgive him the debt, even though he's forgiven a huge debt. And so in verse 34, The parable goes on to say, and his master was angry and delivered him to the tortures that he should pay all the debt that was due him. Verse 35, so my heavenly father also will do for you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. In other words, when God has forgiven you, you have no right to hold unforgiveness towards someone else. The offended cannot demand the offender to ask for forgiveness. They simply must forgive, whether they ask for it or not. Let's stand up together. C.S. Lewis wrote, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. Another quote that you've heard, the song Forgiveness by Matthew West, when we forgive, we set a prisoner free and then discover that the prisoner that was set free was us because it brings freedom in our life. In Mark 11, 25 and 26, it says, whenever you stand praying, I want you to hear this. If you have anything against anyone, Are you listening? Forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your heavenly Father or Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. In other words, there's a condition in God's forgiveness if we refuse to forgive those that have wronged us. This is a heavy-duty passage. Unforgiveness is the number one reason people don't receive from God or get answers to their prayers. And you might say, well, I'll forgive that person if they prove that they'll not do it again. I'll forgive that person if they ask me to forgive them they turn from their way no you just forgive them and then you let the power of God deal with them you're turning it over to God you're releasing the offense you giving it to God forgiveness is an unnatural act it's a supernatural act I want to ask you this question who do you need to forgive you may need to to forgive yourself. Some people haven't forgiven themselves because they don't feel that they're worthy to be forgiven of what they've done. And just as importantly as you need to forgive other people that have wronged you, you need to forgive yourself. But that really can only happen when you receive God's forgiveness. That's where it starts. When you accept God's forgiveness, that will empower you to forgive those that have wronged you to forgive yourself. It's interesting when Jesus was on the cross, the Roman soldiers who had beat him, the religious leaders that had conspired for his death, they were standing and watching him hanging on that cross. What did he say in his dying words? He said, Father, forgive them For they know not what they do. Now realize that Jesus made that statement. It wasn't just for that crowd. It was for this crowd. It was for all people of all time. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. Because it's your sins and my sins that put Jesus on that cross. Not just the Pharisees, not just the Romans who executed him. It was all of our sin that put him there. He did it willingly as a sacrifice for us. Ephesians 1.7, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Receive forgiveness, forgive yourself, forgive others. And whether you realize it or not, God's already decided to forgive you. All you have to do is receive his forgiveness and accept it. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I know that my life is not right with God and I'm ready and willing at this moment to surrender to him and to receive his forgiveness. Your life might be filled with bitterness, with anger, and all those things that we listed in Ephesians four thirty-one and 32. But know that By receiving God's forgiveness, by receiving his love, you can be free from all of that. You can be free from being eternally separated from God for all eternity. And you can enter a relationship with him and encounter his love in a way that will transform your life. You say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I don't know that my life is right with God, but I'm willing to surrender, to repent, and give my heart to him and receive his forgiveness. If that's you, lift your hand. We're going to pray a prayer together. Thank you. There's others. Let's pray this prayer together. We call it the Believer's Prayer. Heavenly Father, I open my heart, my life to you. I know that I've sinned. I know I need a Savior. And I know that you you sent Jesus to die on the cross, whom you raised from the dead to give me life. Jesus, I believe in my heart that you died for me and I receive you now. Forgive me of my sins and make my life what you want it to be. In your name I pray. Thank you, Jesus. Now for the rest of us, is there someone you haven't forgiven? Close your eyes. And if the Lord is bringing someone to mind, a situation, circumstance to mind, then just put that person before God. Whoever it is, in whatever circumstance that brought hurt, pain, and heartache into your life. And say after me and pray this prayer Heavenly Father, because I've received your forgiveness. I now have the capacity to forgive. And according to your word, you've instructed me to forgive, even as you've forgiven me. So as an act of my will, I choose to release this person, these individuals, from what they've done wrong to me. I release every offense and every offender in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now I believe some of you are going to need to go home and and ponder with this message and and maybe allow the Spirit of God to bring things to mind that you need to address in your life in regards to forgiveness. But let me assure you, it will bring healing in your life. Where the hurt, the pain has prevailed, it will be no more. God will wipe it away supernaturally. Supernaturally. That's the God that we serve. Thank you for being so attentive to the Word this morning. Let's worship God. The protein will be up in a little bit. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to connect further with Refuge, feel free to go online to wearerefuge.net or on social media at wearerefuge.